0: Hebrews chapter number 10, look at verse number 23. Let us hold fast to professional faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. That verse has nothing to do with tonight. I just really like it, amen. I'm glad that he's faithful that promised, amen. He'll take care of us when we can't even take care of ourselves. Look at verse number 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more... As we see the day approaching, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again, uh, Lord, for this evening. Thank you, Lord, just for the opportunity, Lord. Yes, we're tired. Yes, Lord, it's maybe been a long week. Lord, things are getting back. We're we're, we're transitioning from a time of of holiday and a time of vacation, a time of uh, our schedules being reworked, and now, Lord, we're getting back into the grind. And, Lord, the grind comes fatigue, and with the change of schedule comes being tired, Lord, and you know that. We thank you, Lord, for tonight. Lord, we just come in. Lord, we just kind of sit. We just mellow, and Lord, we're just enjoying your grace and your goodness and your atmosphere tonight. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, that you don't expect me, uh, Lord, to pump and prime and pretend. Lord, you just, Lord, even when I'm tired, Lord, you just sit there and talk to me and help me. I ask you, Lord, that you do that with our hearts tonight. Lord, we thank you for the song service. Thank you, Lord, even, Lord, Lord, in our physical weariness, God, in our physical tiredness, Lord, that does not change our eternal destination. Lord, there is coming a day, Lord, I'll get to go to heaven. And, Lord, I'll never know what it's like to be tired again. Lord, I'm looking forward to that day. But until now, Lord, thank you for grace and thank you for mercy. We ask you, Lord, tonight, you just help us one more time from your word. Help us as a church family, God, to grow and to get your word tonight. Help us to apply it in our relationships, one with another, God, that we might bring glory and honor to your name. Lord, we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hebrews 10, 25 is a, a very familiar portion of Scripture tonight, and, and oftentimes when we go to Hebrews 10, 25, we preach on those who, are in, who aren't at church. Right? We, we, we devote a whole message to somebody who's not even here. I remember being in Bible college, and Brother Robbie teaching us, he said, one of the things you're going to have to learn is you cannot make sermons for people. In essence, you can't just preach on something because somebody's bothered you, somebody's aggravated you, or something that somebody's doing is, 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 is just driving you up a wall. He said because you'll, you'll get it all prepared, you'll have good points, you'll have good scripture, you'll look them in their eyeball and you'll preach it as hard as you can preach it and they'll shout you on the whole time. Right? And so, in essence tonight, it really doesn't do us any good tonight to preach about the people who aren't here tonight. The people who chose, now I know some are providentially hence should be praying for Brother Oda, he fell uh, uh, last week and he's just still recovering from that. Nothing's broken, nothing, nothing like that. He's just, you know, it's due to his age and all that. He's taking a long time to recover. But just pray for them. There's some that are, who can't be here tonight and there's some who choose not to be here tonight. But in essence, tonight, if I'm preaching to the people who aren't here, I'm neglecting those who are. And oftentimes when we take a Bible verse and we, we, we preach against those or we, we preach about those who aren't here necessarily to defend themselves, if we're not careful, it actually can bring division in the church, right? Because we'll sit here and say, well, I'm, I'm something special because I am at church tonight. I I, I must be a, a good Christian because I'm at church tonight. The Lord must be proud of me and not proud of them. The Lord is proud of his son. And so we realize tonight that he's done the work we talked about this morning. But at the same time, There is the reality that if we are going to grow as a church family, if we're gonna grow as brothers and sisters in Christ, there is a necessity and a need to be in the house of God because this is where we congregate together. This is where we fellowship together. This is where we pray one for another. This is where we preach the word of God. This is where we learn from the word of God. This is where God helps us and God moves in our life. And and I thank God for the church tonight. God, not just necessarily for the buildings and the, the equipment that we have here, but I thank God for y'all tonight because in essence I it's hard to be a pastor if you don't have no people to pastor, right? Then you're just somebody talking to nobody. But the joy of it is that we, we can grow together I, in the Lord, I think January, the first Sunday in January of 2019 was my first official Sunday as the pastor of South Haven Baptist Church. And, and you know, I think now, so now we're in 2023, we're working on four years now. And I, I'm excited to see what the Lord has done here. But I, I, it excites me to see how God has, has grown, not just our church numerically as far as families and whatnot, but God has also grown us together. We, God took us through a time and through a, a different seasons that we've already been in, and through that we've learned. But one of the things that, that we, we must strive, we must remember, is that it's by grace alone, right? We, we didn't do this because we earned it. We didn't get this because we've, we were better than anybody else. And, and here's the thing, when you begin to take the word of God to build yourself up and to put other people down, you're going to create division in the church. And here's the thing tonight, division and tension in the church is noticed by everybody. Especially those who are visiting, those who who normally don't come here, they will walk in. and They'll say, "There's something about that place. It just... It, I mean, they they sang good songs. They they used the right Bible. They they, they preached the gospel, and it was good. But it was just... You, it was just tight in there. It was just awkward in there. And so, and, and tonight, if that's the case, you can't hide that. But we, but here, when we talk about this tonight, we're dealing with our relationship, one, with the church. You ought to be faithful to God's house. If you want, if you want your, 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 your church family to strengthen and to grow stronger, then you can't, listen, you can't control nobody else, but you can make the decision for yourself. Me and my family, we're going to be there because I want my church family to grow and I want to grow with my church family. But notice here in Hebrews, the writer here in Hebrews says, and let us consider one another. Let us consider one another. In essence, now, you, now there's that, that popular mantra today, you're not allowed to judge one another. You're not, you can't judge me. But here, the writer tells us to consider one another. In essence, we step back and we, we observe one another and we, we, we not necessarily physically look at each other until one of us moves, but we sit back and we, we look at the family that God has given us and we consider them. And when we consider one another, here's what it ought to do to us. One, it ought to provoke us to charity. Look what it says right there in verse number 24. And let us consider one another and provoke unto love. That's that Christ-like love. That's that charity, that love that loves without any expectation in return. And when we consider our church family, we ought to have something the Lord in us, ought to begin to work and say, man, I love those people. They're not perfect. They don't have it all together. And neither do I, but I sure do love those people. And so it should provoke charity, but also it should provoke construction. Notice what he says right there in verse number 24. And let us consider one another, provoke unto love and to good works. I ought to step back and say, praise the Lord. He's given me some people I can serve him with. He's giving me some people that I, I can get in the trenches with. We can lock hand in hand, arm in arm, step in step, and we can do something for the glory of God. I, 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 I'm glad the Christian life is not a life that is lived on an island. I'm glad that the Christian life, yes, it is a personal walk with Christ, but what a blessing it is when all of our personal walks come together and God gives us a burden in our heart, whether it's for for our community, whether it's for a project, whether it's for people, and God gives us that burden together and we work it out for the glory of God. And so we consider one another, it ought to provoke charity, it ought to provoke love and and, and construction, but it ought to provoke consistency, verse number 25, and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. In essence, I ought to say, man, I love my church family so much. And I don't know who's all going to be there when I get there on Sunday morning and on Sunday night. I don't know who's all going to be there, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to purpose in my heart because I love my church family and I want to find myself in the place that God has given me, doing what God has called me to do because I understand that's what my church family needs. Sometimes you'll think, "Well, preacher, I'm really not doing anything big. I'm not. I'm not teaching a Sunday school class, preacher. I don't sing in the choir. Uh, I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not doing this, that, or the other. I don't preach, preacher. I, I, I'm really not that big of a part of our church." But you realize this, this, you know, when you sitting in your place and you don't even have to amen, you don't even have to stand up and say glory to God, but you sitting there listening and you allowing God to speak to you through his word and God to help you through the preaching of his word, you understand that's just as important as me being here preaching tonight. It, well, we all are essential when it comes to the church tonight. And so when we consider one another, yes, it ought to provoke that Christ-like love in us. I love my brethren. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. And to be honest with you, my, my church family, a lot of y'all, I'm closer with them than even my own personal family. And it's not because I don't like them. It's not because I don't, I, 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 I'm not grateful for them. I, I just don't see them very often. But y'all, I see all the time. Y'all, know, y'all probably know more about what I did this year than my family does because we're constantly around on and it provokes charity, it provokes construction. We see what the Lord has done. You think about it in a physical sense, in four years, the appearance of our church has changed, right? Four years ago, we had blue walls. Four years ago, we had carpet throughout the whole church. Four years ago, we had bushes in the front side of the church. Two months ago, we had branches that were overhanging. We got to, now listen, I understand church isn't about those things, but we can see tonight we've got together on some projects. I still remember the first project I ever did as pastor. We had a work day, uh, we ran in one of those roll-off dumpsters, and we put it right there in the back of the church. We went to that attic and found everything from 1974 and threw it in there. And I thought these people were going to vote me out. But it was—we started pulling things out of the out of the, the attic and carrying it down to the dumpster, and there was like a line of people just clapping. <laughs> I'll never forget—they were—they went out there clapping. But it was like, yeah, the preacher—that's a good idea, right? We got together, we completed a project, but it also should provoke consistency. In essence, I'm going to be where God has placed me because within that church family, God has given me wonderful relationships. God has given me people that I can serve them with, that I can bear their burdens and they can bear my burdens. We can pray one for another. We can lift one another up just like we did here just a few weeks ago when it came to Miss Lola's tires. She's not here tonight, but she's out of town visiting one of her sisters. But when it came to her tires, I didn't go around and saying, y'all, we we gotta do something. We gotta do something right now. How dare y'all not even come come up with this first? You know, I I really didn't know there was a need. Y'all kept it from me in that sense, but no, some of the men approached me, uh, and I I still don't know how it all came to be, but I'm thankful that we were able to do it, to do those things, and it came out of concern of a church family, and that's how it's supposed to be. I don't want to go, I don't want to pastor a church, nor do I want to go to a church that's full of tension and strife, because if it's full of tension and strife, there's an issue there that needs to be dealt with. But tonight, when we look at our relationship with my church family, I want to give you some aspects of it tonight, and we'll flip through the Bible tonight, a top, topical message this evening. Uh, but something that will help us achieve that relationship, that right relationship with each other, is by understanding these aspects of our relationship. What, what does our relationship with one another, what's it supposed to look like? What kind of relationship is it? Number one tonight, it is to be a fitting relationship, a fitting relationship. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 4 this evening, Ephesians chapter number four, and you go down to verse number 16. Verse number 16. And the Bible says, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of uh, the body unto the edifying of itself in love. In essence, when you and I as church family and as church members are in our right spots, doing our right thing, what God has called us to do, not only is it fit jointly together, but the Bible says it edifies itself, right? One of the things that, 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 that oftentimes we think, man, if, if our church is gonna get any help, if our church is gonna get uh, any edification, it's gonna be strengthened, and we gotta bring somebody in, we gotta have a special week. I'm not against any of that. We've got one planned in March and I'm looking forward to it. But that is not our, our our lifeline. That's that's not our end all, be all, that, that if this doesn't happen, our church is gonna fold. No, I, I truly believe when a church comes together and we all are are allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us, we're obeying God's word, we'll actually encourage ourselves. We'll edify ourselves. What it says, edify itself in love. And so we see here this morning that, that or this evening that a, a, our relationships are a fitting, in essence, they should fit together. Right? They should be joined together just like the body is, joined together in the physical sense. Your, 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 your head's connected to your neck, your neck's connected to your shoulders, your shoulders to your ribs, your ribs to your hips, uh, to your spine, and all that kind of stuff. Tell, tells you right now, I didn't make it very far in anatomy. But we see here tonight that, that there is a fitting relationship. In essence, you are to be exactly where you're supposed to be. You, there's a specific place, a role, and, and position within the church. And in the church family, that is for everybody. It's saved by the grace of God. But here's the thing verse number 15 says that sometimes, in order to get to that fitly together, there's got to be some adjustments. There's got to be some adjustments. Look at verse number 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. And so we see tonight that verse number four, excuse me, verse number. Six and nine everybody's fit together. Well, how do they get there? They begin to speak the truth of love, and this growth calls them to be where they're supposed to be. And so we see the truth spoken in love produces growth and here's the thing this evening: we, we, we know the mantra, we know the phrase, the cliche. The truth hurts sometimes. How many know that's the truth tonight? And sometimes the truth hurts, especially when it's the Holy Spirit dealing with the truth that is not being obeyed in your life. That never feels good, but we have to realize tonight that yes, the truth may hurt, but when it's spoken in love, when it's with the right heart, the right motives, it's always beneficial. It's always beneficial to helping to get things where they're supposed to be. When Miss Becky was pregnant, she was having some pain in her back and her lower legs and and, and we she went to the chiropractor. And uh, she went the first time by herself, the second time I went with her. And for a second there, I thought, what is this woman doing to my wife? Uh, she was pregnant and she had her laying down on the table and I, it was like a Hulk Hogan elbow drop that this lady performed on my wife. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, I mean, it's almost... <laughs> Hey, we're fixing the scrap. <laughs> it hurt my wife <laughs> and the baby that she's carrying. But that lady was a trained professional. She knew what she was doing. And though it looked painful, in reality, was it was actually very beneficial. This baby got up off the table and said, Man, I feel a whole lot better. A lot of that pain has subsided. And so, though it looked like it hurt, it actually helped. And sometimes in our Christian life, when that truth is spoken to us, oh, it's going to hurt. But in reality, is when it has its full course. Right, we find out that it's beneficial, and sometimes, as 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 Christians, we have to speak the the truth in love to each other, and it's not always a pleasant conversation in the moment. Right, sometimes it's a hard conversation. Uh, I, I'm not one of those pastors that enjoys pe- calling people to my office. All right, now we're fixing to have a talk. Right, I, I wish that we could ever just everything would be all right and never have to have those conversations. But that's one point of, of being a leader is that sometimes you got to have the hard conversation. But here's the thing tonight: you say, "Well, preach." That's my spiritual gift. I speak the truth in love and I let everybody know about it. Just be ready. It's one of those, if you're willing to dish it out, you better be ready to receive it, right? Because if you're willing to speak the truth and love to everybody else, don't get mad when some people start speaking the truth to love, in love to you, right? And so it's one of those, if you're going to give it out, you're going to have to, you're to, have to learn how to receive it. And the Bible even tells us that, that iron sharpens iron. So we understand that, in that process of iron and sharpening iron, it isn't a pleasant process, in essence, it isn't like, you know, just two soft things rubbing up against each other, and it's, it's a fun thing. It's, it's, it's work. There's, there's, there's shedding. There's, there's scraping. It's one of, those, one of those sounds probably that will make the, the hair on your neck stand up, just like when somebody takes their, their, their fingernails and, and scratches them on a chalkboard, but yet it's beneficial. And when iron is sharpened, there's it is, it is a greater production. It can do more uh, for what it needs to be done, but notice there will be a, a, a necessary adjustment, but also there will be ne- notice edification. Verse number 16 Talks about edifying itself and love that we've already covered tonight. The joint effort leads to a joint edification. <coughs> excuse me, tonight it reveals our, our, our great need, but it shouldn't be a church's only. Or excuse me, revivals are great, but it shouldn't be the church's only source of edification. Right? In essence, we should come together and learn to edify one another. And so we realize tonight that when it comes to the church, when my church family not only should I be thankful for those that God has placed in those positions in my life, whether it's the mentor, whether it's, it's someone that I'm able to disciple, whether it's somebody who's, who's just become a buddy, right? We, you go and do things, and they're not necessarily spiritual things, right? But at the same time, in those, those times of fellowship, you know, not everything we do at, at the men's meeting is, is a spiritual thing, right? I don't think there's much spiritual about men sitting around and, and, and filling our faces up with food. But at the same time, it builds that fellowship, right? And then we open up God's word and we, we, we expound upon it. And it strengthens, uh, y'all ladies have a great time, right? Uh, every time Miss Becky comes home from her ladies meeting, I say, well, how was it? It's never been like, well, hell, it was terrible. Whew, never going back again. She'll say it's good. We had a great time. We, we enjoyed it. Not everything you do at the ladies meeting is spiritual, right? <laughs> Not everything you do, but at the same time, there is that spiritual element and that fellowship is drawn together. And so there will be noticed edification, verse 1 says, if we are all our fit position, where God has placed us, operating for God, how God wants us to operate, those relationships will work. Right? Everything will be just like it is with your body, right? When everything's working like it's supposed to be working, life's easy in that sense, right? There's no pain, there's no aches. But anytime something gets out of joint, something gets off, you notice it tonight. So tonight, if we're going to have the right relationship, we've got to realize it's a fitting relationship. Let me ask you tonight, are you willing to ask the Lord to help you to fit in? I'm not asking you to change your personality. I'm going to ask you to change who you are and all those kind of things. But I'm asking you to, Lord, what is my place? Well, what is my position within the church family that you've given me? And so if we're not in that position tonight, then we're not gonna accomplish the will of God for our life. And so if we're gonna have uh, our relationships right with each other, it's gonna be a fitting relationship. We're gonna fit in where God has us tonight. But then notice number two tonight, it should be a friendly relationship. It should be a friendly relationship. Proverbs 18, verse number 24. Proverbs 18, verse number 24. And I begin to read it, you'll probably be able to quote it. The Bible says... A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That second half of the verse is speaking of the Lord. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, amen. I'm glad that he's always there for me. But oftentimes, we'll we'll say, we'll we'll take the first half of that verse where it says a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and we'll say, well, I'll put a smile on, and I'll pretend to like them, and I'll fake it till I make it. Listen, that might work in Hollywood. Hollywood. That don't work in real life. If you, and I've said it here before. You cannot fake it till you make it. Because if all you did is fake it, you're going to end up somewhere you never wanted to be. And I meant to grab one out of the, 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 uh, the uh, not the baptistry. Where do you keep kids at? The nursery. <laughs> don't keep them in the baptistry. The nursery. I meant to grab some of that uh, fake fruit out there and I was going to hand it to somebody. say, all right. You stay right there. Don't move until that fake fruit becomes real. Right? It wouldn't happen. They'd be here until the, the Lord takes them home. Waiting on that. Because it don't work that way until they got real hungry. And then they just compromised and said, this fake fruit is going to be eaten like it is real fruit. But and that's not what the verse is saying here. The verse isn't saying, hey, pretend to like everybody, but rather it is to have an amiable spirit, a friendly spirit that I am willing to understand that yes, God has placed me here and he's placed me within this family or within this church so that I might be able to grow and to be encouraged and to be strengthened. And if God has placed me here, then obviously he have some friends that he wants me to have here. Right, in essence, tonight you 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 have a desire to be a real friend. Real friendships are marked by honesty. Tonight, we're not talking about fake friendships. We're not talking about we're not talking about Facebook friends. Hey Amen. If you got, I got a thousand Facebook friends, and ninety hundred of them don't know who you are. <laughs> well, we we've as a family we've just got off of it this year. Just took a break from it, and boy, it's been a blessing. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of a breath of fresh air. We don't know what's going on in everybody else's lives. <laughs> you just don't know what's going on. He just, oh, that happened. Well, man, that's terrible. I'll be praying for them. Or, You know that happened. Oh, man, I'm, I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't see that. It probably would have put me in the flesh. Those kind of things tonight. But we see tonight that real friendships are marked on Odyssey. Proverbs 27, 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You know how you got a real friend? They're willing to tell you the truth. And here, we go back to our first point, that truth spoken in love, if we're going to dish it out, then we got to be willing to receive it. But, you know, here tonight, my, my best friend in the whole entire church is my wife, right? And, and if you're married, your best friend ought to be your spouse. But we, how, how do you know that you guys are best friends? We're willing to be honest with each other. Well, we're, we're willing to, to 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 not fake those things. We're, we're going to be honest. With each other. If something upsets us, we're going to tell each other that. If something bothers us, it's going, we're going to tell each other that. If something's off, if something is 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 not how it normally is, we're willing to deal with that. Right. In the same sense as you know, how, how, how can you how can you test somebody's honesty? Uh, put some spinach in your teeth, and ask if they can see it. Is there anything in my teeth? If they lie and tell you no, yeah, <laughs> they're not being honest with you, right? How many would like for some at least tell me there's something in my teeth? And so we see that real friendships are marked by honesty. And, and tonight, if we're going to be a church family, we're going to have, to have honest friendships. Right? One where we when we see issues and we see problems or what could possibly be a problem in someone's life, we're willing to say something about it. Not in a, not in a condescending spirit, not in a I'm better than you spirit, but hey, listen, I've noticed this, and, and 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 you may not be thinking this way, or you may not even. Acting or or headed that way, but I'm afraid if things don't change, that's where you might end up. So I just just want to warn you as a friend, that's kind of what I'm noticing here. And so we see tonight that real friendships are marked by honesty. And our honest words need to be bathed in humility. Galatians 6 1 Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the, the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I think a lot of times we read that, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, put him down. Tell everybody how you'd never do that. That's not what the Bible says. Now, you may have a desire in your heart by the grace of God, I'm never going to do that. But here's the thing, when when we see a friend or a man who's taken in a fault, in essence, there is something that has weighed them down where they've come to a stop, right? It, It is not the spiritual man or the spiritual woman who who, who, who just can just tell them that. But rather, I'm here for restoration. I'm here to help you get back to where you are. And so our honest words need to be bathed in humility because nobody likes a know-it-all. Nobody likes somebody who thinks they know everything. If the apostle Paul said, I have yet arrived, I, I have not yet arrived, I don't have everything figured out, then me and you can rest assured, or not, we don't have anywhere near that figured out as, as well. But at the same time, when we see somebody taking a fault, we ought to have Honest, yet humble words to them to help restore them. And so we see that our honest words need to be bathed in humility. Real friendships are marked by honesty. Also, real friendships are founded in love. Proverbs seventeen seven says, a friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now, I'm not talking sloppy agape love. Right? I was reading a book this week, and I remember hearing Brother Dean say that. That sloppy agape outfit Diesel sniffing something else. Brother Dean would just go down the line. You he'd always say sloppy agape. And I thought, man, Brother Dean invented a wonderful phrase. And I read it in the book. I said, What wonder if Brother Dean got that from there. But uh, I, mean, I was right about sloppy agape. That, that Christ-like Christian love isn't just, hey, everything's all right. You do what you're going to do. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to judge you. You don't judge me. And we're just going to be happy family. It don't work that way. That's not real love. That's not how you raise your children. Do you love your children? Of course I love my children, preacher. Then why'd you discipline them? Well, because I, I I want them to turn out right. I, I want them to have a, a sense of 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 integrity in their life. Well, then you do that because you love them, right? And so we understand that when it comes to love, yes, there's going to be times like this morning where we'll just shout, we'll enjoy it, we'll, we'll absolutely, uh, you know, just have those kind of services and we'll have services like tonight and we'll have services where I'll come in and God will give me something. I'm thinking, Lord, I don't want to preach this, right? Because it's tough. It's tough love, but at the same time, it's needed and it's founded on love. A friend loveth at all times. And there's going to be some times in your life where your friends in your family and your children, they're going to stretch that love, right? They're going to push those boundaries, and I wish tonight I could preach the Bible in the sense that all you have to do is, is do this and everything's going to be fine. You're not going to struggle with it. You're not going to uh, wrestle with it in that sense. You're not going to uh, have that, that strangle there and that, that struggle there. But we have to remember we live in a fallen world, right? In essence, if we, didn't live, if we lived in a perfect world, we wouldn't need none of this tonight because we'd be able to do it, no problem but we live in a fallen world. And anytime you have flesh and sin involved, there's gonna be struggle, there's gonna be fight. There's gonna be conflict. But yet at the same time, just because we have those things doesn't mean that we don't love each other, but rather if it's found in love, we're willing to work through whatever that is to get it resolved and fixed. Our love for each other shouldn't emulate the world's love. See, the world will love you until you run out of something. The world will love you until you no longer have money. The world will love you until you're no longer popular. The world will love you until they find out you said something 20 years ago. And they'll you, or can't cancel you, Cancel right? That's how our world operates. That's how the world does. And that kind of love doesn't need really to be within our church, right? Because as much as I love you and as much as you love me, we're going to let each other down. We're going to fail one another, right? We're going to try our best to do right, and it's not going to work. And yet, what do we, need? we need love, Love each other. Christ-like love. And just like we preached on this morning, I'm glad even though when I failed him, he still loves me. He still cares for me. But when I do fail him, he does not let it go unnoticed. He does not let it go undealt with. Right? He deals with me. He, he, he disciplines me. He straightens those things out. Why? Because he loves me. And the same is true in our life. It should be a friendly relationship. And We think that, you know, well, what does that mean? Well, we have all the same interest. We like exactly the same things, right? We we have the same football team that we're all cheering for. Now, tomorrow night, I'm going to cheer for Georgia. To be completely honest with you, if Nebraska was in that game tomorrow night, it's probably who I'd be cheering for. (laughs) But y'all are safe because Nebraska is nowhere near the national championship. (laughs) But tonight, that's not what makes us and breaks us as friends. It's our unique bond through Christ. Right, We have a bond the world doesn't have. See, the world's friendships are based on stuff. They're based on things. Where ours is based on a man named Jesus. Right, We have a similar testimony of being saved by the grace of God. How many this morning when Miss Laura stood up and testified about God saving her, went back to the moment when God saved you? And he said, boy, she's in for it. She's, She's began the greatest journey that she's ever been on, walking with the Lord. It should be a friendly relationship. And they're founded on love. It should be a fitting relationship. Find your place in the family of God. Find find your joint. Preacher, I I feel qualified. All I feel qualified to be is that middle toe on the foot. We always talk about the big toe or the pinky toe, but nobody really cares about them toes in the middle. I mean, the one had roast beef. (laughs) And the other one had none. Right? That's all I feel qualified. Well, then be that. Because whether you realize it or not, it's needed, right? You can't teach a kid that. There's no toe there. (laughs) But the same is true tonight. The Bible calls them comely parts and uncomely parts. And the body needs all of them, right? (laughs) The body needs all of them tonight. And, and, And this stage in life, until the adjustment's made, you might be the uncomely part, and that's okay. Later on in life, you might be the comely part, and that's just fine. Right now, you might be the comely part. But there's going to come an uncomely part as well. There' was a time in my life, you said, uh, just this week, I was asked to preach at a preachers' fellowship uh, here at Faith Baptist in February. And I thought, "How in the world? Why me? <laughs> Why do you want me to come preach to a whole bunch of preachers? I've got four years' experience of pastoring. I don't know anything. Why do you want me? And at the same time... I sit back and say, well, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. (laughs) I was was joking with Miss Becky. I said, Brother Brian O'Neill said, I I want you to come preach and there's going to be a room full of preachers. I said, I'm going to preach on this thought. Y'all are doing it wrong. (laughs) I said, and I just want to see how that goes over. (laughs) But no, I, I wouldn't do that. Really, my heart's to encourage those men, to strengthen them, to help them, to be a blessing to them. And you think, well, preacher, that's awesome. That's wonderful. You're now the comely part. Well, I don't know all about that. But I do know a part of my life where I was the uncomely part, where what I did wasn't noticed, where what I did wasn't really recognized by the entire crowd, the entire people, and yet I've seen God be faithful and God help and God use and God bless. And so, Lord, whether you want me to be the comely part or the uncomely part, Lord, wherever I am, that's what I want to be. I just want to fit in. I just want to be where God has me and wants me to be. So it ought to be a, fit, a fitting relationship. And it, here's the thing. If you're the uncomely part and you're hanging out with another uncomely part, y'all become friends for life. Hey Amen. Some of the guys I went to Bible college with and we talk about our struggles during Bible college and all that kind of, we just sit, now we laugh about it, but man, we were scared to death back then. And then we, still, we still laugh at some of the things we went to and we, we went through, but that, and you, you, and you, you, that adjustment takes place and then you adjust back and you, and, and you just get in where God has you. And so it ought to be a fitting relationship. It ought to be a friendly relationship. And then lastly tonight, it ought to be a forgiving relationship. We've got a little bit here tonight. We can all go home and take our nap until the morning. Amen? Uh, But it should be a forgiving relationship. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. I was reading verse chapter number 5. That is not what I'm supposed to be reading. But look at verse, chapter number six, verse number one. dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to the law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? If the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that ye shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If you then have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before unbelievers. I mean, Paul is, is, is letting them have it here. He goes on to say, verse 7 Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you because you go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourself to be defrauded? And so, Paul, when Paul writes to the church at Corinth, man, he just he just lays it out there, right? And I think it's how he had to deal with the people in Corinth because of the city they lived in, and their background. But yet, Paul here, he, he he's 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 in essence, he's disciplined. In essence, he's he's saying, Listen, y'all are letting little things that ought to be able to be resolved within the church and by the church and by the church, and by the church family and the church members. He said, y'all are going to the law. Y'all are going to the court before unbelievers. And I mentioned that a few weeks ago. It's just like watching two Christians argue on Facebook. Right? And you think, boy, they're making a real difference. They're just mad at each other and sinners are saying, really? That's Christ-like love? That's what it is? I don't want that. But we see here tonight that, that silly arguments between believers hurt the testimony of the church. Now, let me clarify tonight. When there's real crime, when there's real, and I'm not saying small issues aren't real issues, but when there's those big issues, things like sexual crime, things like that, listen, we're not going to hide those things. There's been enough of that in the Independent Baptist Movement. <laughs> listen, I, not even that. You know, I, my, my, my background, what my, my testimony is God saved me out of the Roman Catholic Church. There's a lot of that there too. And what I've learned is covering up doesn't fix nothing. Right when those things take place, they need the authorities need to be notified, and all, all that stuff needs to be handled the right way, but we'll see it or not when it comes to these he, he says in verse, he, paul Paul said it ain't the big things, it ain't those those big crimes those those big issues. Paul said y'all are taking the smallest things before the court, and you're looking at, and you're going before unbelievers looking like fools. Could you imagine tonight if it got it got out that South Haven Baptist Church is about to split and it's not a doctrinal issue. It's not a criminal issue. It's because one wants blue carpet and the other wants red carpet. You want red carpet in here, I don't know about you. <laughs> don't match with nothing. It's a weak illustration, but at the same sense, it's a small matter. I really don't think God's concerned with what color the carpet is. <laughs> How do you know that? Because you read the book of Acts, they having church by the riverside. What, what color was their carpet? <laughs> but those small matters, and we allow them instead of resolving them amongst ourselves, and if we're gonna resolve them, there's got to be an element of forgiveness, right? Because once again, we live in a fallen world. We have a sin nature, right? We have our flesh. It rares up. And we might go into a business meeting and we're trying to just do something simple and feelings get hurt, or, or ideas get shot down and now I'm mad and now I'm frustrated. <laughs> there, was, there was somebody that visited here not too long ago and, and he, they, he, she, they came and talked. I want you to know who it was. <laughs> they came and talked to me and within five minutes, I knew every church I'd ever been to and why they left it and why they were mad at the pastor or mad at the people or mad at this and mad at that. Here's the thing. They said to me, you know, I left, but I, I, I didn't want to make any scene. That's what you're doing right now. <laughs> right now, we'll, we'll, I'll show you that in the word of God in just a few minutes. How, listen, going to come times where there'll be people and in amongst our church, because of our, our sin nature, our flesh, all those kind other of things, where sometimes separation is the best thing. Where you, where you separate and go your separate ways. And you go on for the glory of God. And so, in a perfect world, once again, in a perfect world, we wouldn't have these issues. We wouldn't need to forgive one another because we'd be perfect. How do you, how do you forget or how do you forgive somebody who's perfect? You don't need to because they're perfect. That's why Christ didn't need to be forgiven because He was perfect. And these, but in essence, they're going be those 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 logistical issues, those those small issues. If we're going to have a a church that's operating right, then we're going to have to learn how to deal with those things amongst ourselves, right? And and learn how to forgive. One another. And sometimes the best scenario is separation. Turn your Bible to Acts. Sometimes separation is the best scenario for certain for certain things. The book of Acts, chapter 15. I think that was the one I meant to mark, and Miss Shiloh took my sticky note. She's helping Daddy study. Acts fifteen, look at verse number thirty-six. And some days, after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. Look at verse number 38. But Paul thought it not good to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. Right? And so here we have Paul and Barnabas who at this point are doing a great work for God. Right? They're preaching the gospel. They're going from town to town. God's using them in a mighty way. And now they're fixing to head to somewhere else and into a next place. And, and Barnabas says, hey, let's take John Mark with us. And Paul said, no. I don't think that's a good idea. Why not, Paul? And now the Bible doesn't give us the words of, of this conversation here. But they never came to an agreement. Right? They, they, they never came to, all right, here's what we're going to do. And so the Bible said they, they split up right? Barnabas and John Mark went one way and the Bible says that in verse number 38, Paul thought it not good to them uh, who departed from Pamphylia and went not with him to work and the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God and he went through Syria and Sicilia confirming the churches. That's all it, ta- that's all it says. Right. We don't know that there's this great you know, reunion, but there's a disagreement here. And instead of just, in essence, they were sitting there and, and maybe both men thought giving in would be against what God wanted them to do. And so we understand that when you, when you get multiple people involved and, and multiple opinions and multiple ideas, we know that the Holy Spirit deals with us on a personal level, those kind of things. And there may be maybe something that you, you know for sure the Lord wants you to do, right? He's giving you a verse. He's anchored in your heart. But that doesn't mean everybody else is going to agree with you. But you ought not to let that stop you. And so we see here tonight that, that Paul and Barnabas, who have been doing this great work, they, they come to this decision that neither one of them can agree on, and the Bible says it's causing tension. And it's sharp tension. It's noticeable. But they both think they're right they both think if I give in then I'm compromising so what do they do? They went their separate ways. Here's the, I don't think Paul, you read the rest of Paul's story and Paul's testimony Paul doesn't make that his ministry to put Barnabas down and when he goes to his next place he doesn't say alright Silas we got all these people here I'm going to tell them how wicked Barnabas is because he took John Mark with them and it's not recorded where John Mark, where Barnabas goes and he starts putting down Paul. Right, they, they separated because there was an issue there that they, they couldn't resolve in their own ability. But they also, at the same time, they knew that they couldn't let that stop them from what God wanted them to do. And sometimes in your Christian life, especially with, with fellow believers, right, There's going to be, we're not going to agree on everything. And it may cause some tension. It may cause some sharpness there. And you say, well, preacher, I'm not going to budge on that because I I feel I do. I'm I'm compromising. And I'll say, well, if I feel like I, if I budge on it, I'm going to compromise. Then sometimes we do have to go our separate ways. Right. But when we do, we're not doing so so we can put each other down. We're doing so simply because that's what God wants, God, we feel like God desires for us to do. And so sometimes this scenario, it does require separation. But really, our goal should be reconciliation. Turn your Bibles to Mark. Mark chapter, excuse me, Matthew chapter number five. Matthew chapter number five. This evening we're just about done. Right? And so our our, our goal isn't to say, you know what, look how spiritual I am. I've separated from every church in the area. There's not a church good enough for me. Then well, where are you going to church at? What family are you part of? Right? And so that, that's not the ideal in the extreme that does have to happen, especially tonight when there's those issues there. But our goal should be reconciliation. Jesus teaches us that in Matthew number 5, verse number 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and thou rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go uh, thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. And so the goal is reconciliation, right? That, that's our heart's desire. And in a perfect world, and, 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 and in every perfect world when this happens, then it would work every time, right? But once again, you, really, you have to realize now that you and I cannot control people, right? We can do everything in our power and our part to, to fulfill verse number 23 tonight where we come and we, we say, Lord, I, I want to do this, Lord, I want to do this. And the Lord says, well, what about this issue here? Right, notice what it says right there in verse number 23. Therefore thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath an ought against thee. So it's something that you know. You've already known that there's an issue there that needs to be resolved and there's space for reconciliation. There's space for resolving that. God said, you need to get that right. You need to get that resolved. And there are some people in my life that that I've gone to do this and want to do that and God said, no, you need to get this right first. You need to go apologize. You, you, you need to go fix this because the area and the time for reconciliation is now before you go any further. And here's the thing, now, when God puts it on your heart, you need to do that, right? Don't put it off. Don't try to excuse it. Go to them and say, hey, listen, I, I know I, I did something. I, I know I, I caused something to be wrong. I, 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 I'm sorry about that. I'm asking for you to forgive me. I'm, I want this to be reconciled the best that we can. So we can go on for the glory of God. and So that ought to be our goal. But here's the thing tonight. You can come to me and say all that or I can come to you and say all that but I cannot control how you receive that. Right? I I can't make you forgive me nor can you make me forgive you. All I can do is my part. And when I've done my part, when 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 I've done what God has told me to do and whether it's received or not, then I can go on for the glory of God. I've done what God has asked me to do. And so when it comes to forgiving one another, uh, the worst thing you and I can do is sit over in our chair or sit over in our pew and say, well, you know what, I, I'll do that until, I, until they come over here. I ain't doing nothing. I'm going to wait for them to approach me. And the whole time the Holy Spirit says, no, you go to them. You, you approach them and, and you lay it out before them. And here's the thing, when, when it's done honestly, a lot of the times it is reconciled, it is fixed, and those kind of things. And so tonight, when, when it comes to us being a church family, yes, we need to be where God has placed us, doing what God has told us to do. We ought to be friendly one to another, right? We ought to, we ought to love one another, encourage one another, provoke one another to good works. We also ought to be willing to forgive one another, right? For, for Christ's sake, because Christ has forgiven us. We ought to be willing to listen and say, you know what, they're sincere about that. And yes, it hurt me. And yes, it, 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 it just ripped me up one side and down the other. And it hurt my feelings. It hurt all that stuff. I forgive you. We can move on. We can go on for the glory of God. So my encouragement to you tonight is learn to forgive one another. Learn to be friendly one to another. Learn to fit in your spot tonight.